If you're looking for a place to hang out, figure out where you can take the next step in your dairy farming business, then you're in the right spot. Welcome to the High Performance Herd podcast. Here we will inform you what you can do today to future-proof your business for tomorrow. A big thanks to our sponsors Fonterra, IDEX, Kuru Diagnostics, Taz Herd, Tasmanian Dairy Trust, Zoetis, NHIA, Data Mars. I'm your host, Andrew Savage. Enjoy this episode of the High Performance Herd podcast wherever you may be listening. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and jump on our Facebook group, the High Performance Herd Project. Today in the High Performance Herd studio, I have Sam Flight. Sam is the people and paddock specialist for Fonterra here in Tasmania, and she completed her honours at the University of Tasmania in milk, urea, nitrogen. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the High Performance Herd podcast, and tell us something about yourself many people don't know about you. Oh, this is always a tough question, Andrew. Um, But I guess most people don't know that I actually had an all-expenses-paid study tour to Turkey, Belgium, and France as part of an essay writing competition called the Frank McDonald Memorial Prize when I think I was in about grade 10 um, and got to attend the Gallipoli Dawn Service, which was one of the most special and moving experiences I've ever had. So, yeah, that's something fun and interesting. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Uh, it'll be on a lot of Kiwis and Aussies bucket list to attend a, an Anzac ceremony at on the on the beaches here at Gallipoli so that would have been really special I'm sure absolutely at uh, Taz Heard where I work as a field officer we've had a lot of increased uh, demand and talk around milk urea nitrogen and um, you know we're getting a lot of calls to provide testing for it like what is milk urea nitrogen yeah great question so um MUN or milk urea nitrogen, um, as we call it, it is a product of dietary breakdown um, of, of protein in the rumen. And so this is, is mainly your rumen degradable, but also your non-protein nitrogen. Um, so ammonia is a byproduct of this breakdown by the rumen bugs. And it is this ammonia that is actually diffused across the rumen wall and absorbed into the bloodstream. So ammonia is then taken via the bloodstream to the liver for detoxification into urea and is excreted in the likes of saliva, urine and your milk, hence the term milk urea nitrogen. Uh, A lot of work has been done, I guess, in looking at um, and understanding the process in dairy nutrition, but in essence, it is the milk urea nitrogen that can be used as an indicator of excess dietary protein. And, and that's really the crux of the research that um, I undertook. Sounds a lot. You keep it at a, a high level, I guess, because uh, there'll be a lot of words that you use that I don't understand. Uh, how, how are you seeing farmers use milk urea nitrogen to make on-farm decisions? Yeah, look... Currently across Tasmania and Australia uh, in, you know, a pasture-based system, money is not being well utilised. And really up until now, the value of money in a pasture-based system has not been well understood. 
And so, you know, we can look to other, other countries that are using milk urea nitrogen or milk urea as, um, as a tool in their toolkit. But, yeah, as far as uh, what we've seen in this neck of the woods, there hasn't been a lot, a lot of use um, on farm. So really from my research into MUN, I am able to show the correlation between milk urea nitrogen and excess protein in the diet of a dairy cow. And it is a very strong correlation. And, and this can be used as a measure of herd protein levels to improve on farm management. So yeah, it's um I know New Zealand have have been looking at it and they do get their results off off the tankers over there, but Again, it's something that they're still trying to understand fully and implement on farm. That's right. So it's, I guess in some ways a work in progress, although the the research has proven it's really around how do we practically use this information. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this, the, there has been kind of ongoing conversations around it only being useful in a TMR-type um, system, and yeah, that's that's not true. And and the research that I was involved in, Andrew, it shows that, and it shows that it can be used as a pasture management tool or a tool to to understand better uh, where you sit in terms of milk, urea, nitrogen, and excess protein in the diet. Well, it's really exciting that we can, I guess, like you say, add another tool to the farmer's tool belt um, when farmers are considering this test or the results or um, how, how do they go about the level? Like, is there an optimum level that they should aim for when they get their result back? Um, or is it kind of unique to each farm? Yeah, so it, it, is, it is unique to the system and um, what they are feeding and the diet of their, their cow. So you can appreciate that not everyone farms the same way, Andrew, and um, everyone's system looks a little bit different. But uh, the research that I looked at in, in my literature review and understanding, uh, I guess, the rest of the globe and where milk urea levels or milk urea nitrogen levels sit um, really show that there are some thresholds for overshooting and or undershooting and overshooting uh, protein in the diet. So below 10 uh, this is where I set my research parameter and, you know, analysis on milk urea nitrogen was below 10 milligrams per deciliter, which is known to have production impacts and above 20 milligrams per deciliter, um, which is known to have energy production costs as well as economical and sustainability implications. So it's these indicative thresholds that indicate overshooting as a true excess uh, in protein. So really, I think the that range is probably a lot narrower, but by setting them out to those levels, you can really appreciate that it is indicating that true excess. And so that anything above that, we should be thinking, what are we, you know, what are we doing on farm and what levers do we have on farm to pull to, um, have an impact on pulling that back. Yeah, great. That's that's really something quite powerful to have that information. I get a few questions around 
milk urea nitrogen and milk urea. What is the difference between MUN and just milk urea? And I understand there is a, a way to convert that. Absolutely. Yep. So it's milk urea and nitrogen is uh, really the nitrogen weight out of a urea molecule. So milk urea um, is the value that the near infrared spectrometry machine or analysis, um, that's what that machine actually tests for is milk urea and from um, the US, they report on milk urea nitrogen, but using the calibration and the wet chemistry analysis, which is a fixed conversion, you can then obviously convert to your milk urea nitrogen. So, yeah, when I um, got my TADS herd, herd test data, uh, it was reported on in milk urea nitrogen. So that's what I used in my research. But really the... The, the key measurement is the milk urea. Um, and it really just depends, I guess, as an industry, which one is, is used. But to go from MUN to milk urea is MUN times 2.1438 or something, I think. And then um, you can divide MUN by 0.46 to convert it the other way. But I guess in general, research papers talk to milk urea nitrogen uh, as the US do this. But I think if it if it is to be used, we should probably look at milk urea and, and be consistent across regions and uh, across countries even as that is what it is measured at from the, the machine level. Um, so MUN is a relative value, not an absolute value, but that is what I used in this research so i'm not sure whether that that covers that question andrew but i oh, know that's that's great it's basically the same test uh, and there is a way to convert it and potentially the likes of taz herd or any herd recording center um, can actually potentially report that any way they like just using that formula yes yes that's right but i mean the key the key measurement machines measuring is your milk urea um, so I think really we should stick with that that measurement and that reading, um, talking to milk urea. But yeah, you can definitely convert it. And um, you know, I, I talked to milk urea nitrogen in the research, as that was what was presented in the the herd test recording. Yeah, that's great. And maybe something we need to look at at our end is because uh, I know even in recent weeks it's caused a little bit of confusion with a couple of clients um, as to which is which and they got a bit of a fright when they saw their results because I think they were expecting a certain threshold and it was well outside that so it's uh, it's it's really cool that we can collaborate I suppose um, and keep things simple for farmers. Absolutely and and that's really what we've got to think about in terms of this is the user and and on farm and so yeah to me that was what the research that I did was all about is how do we how do we then implement this on farm and and what what do we look at going forward from an extension perspective um, to make this easily um, available and easily uh, understandable for for our farmers. And your take on farmers using this result, potentially they would then engage with a nutritionalist or their vet around what this result is and, and how they should act with that? 
Yeah, look, I think um, I think that's right. I think you should, well, I think the key to it is really understanding uh, what it means and, and, you know, understanding these thresholds. But then, you know, as an industry, I think we need to provide some extension resources around around these levels and what are those levers that we can be pulling on on farm um, to achieve you know the desired outcome and yeah from there if you've got further questions obviously yeah your nutritionist and your your vet veterinary support are always great great resources to tap into that's, that's great advice. There's a, a really common thread arrive, um, coming out of the High Performance Herd Project, and that is the power of data. It's great to have data, but you probably then need to spend a, some more energy, resource, money perhaps, having and engaging someone to help you with that data to really get the benefit from these, these sort of tests, um, which is really cool. And when you're thinking about using this test, uh, what what sort of one key takeaway or piece of advice that you would have if a farmer here is thinking, um, you know, maybe I should be looking at MUN or MU? Do we just call it MU if it's just if it doesn't have the head on the end? Uh, yeah, what what would be one piece of advice that you would give for farmers when considering using this tool? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. So I think really. Uh, just being able to understand that MUN responds fairly quickly in milk. So what measure reflects the last major meal that they have had or have been grazing? So it may be best looked at as several daily measurements uh, as protein fluctuation between paddocks vary and varies quite a bit. So this will give an average based on a bulk milk analysis. So yeah, maybe it maybe it is a three day average that we look at rather than a daily. But I just think keeping that in mind that the measurement is actually reflecting, you know, the last grazing or the last the last feed that they've actually consumed. So what you're saying in this in essence is it would be really good to enter um, a medium term testing regime to create averages across a period of time, as opposed to just doing this you know one off at a test or as a snapshot every now and again yeah absolutely so that was really my recommendation was to be having um daily or very frequent results and you know we can do it daily like we you know we're getting picked up um you know from milk factories daily so you know having that um from an industry perspective would be beneficial because that's when we can start to get you know start to make use of this information that's cool i want to uh, thank you heaps for coming and talking to us it's given the listeners i'm sure something else to think about another like you say tool in the tool belt that is going to uh, ensure a sustainable future for farmers yeah i look i think i think it's exciting and i think you know when we talk to the challenges that are in surplus uh, on dairy farms and in in our dairy systems is that we you know we need to look to the tools that we have available to us um, and start yeah start utilizing them to to try and combat some of these challenges but one thing I did want to mention uh, that we probably didn't cover off on Andrew um, yet is just 
you know, you, I, I talk to, you know, management on farm and, you know, this is useful on farm and you're probably thinking, well, what are the levers uh, on farm to, to achieve the desired benefits? And so I just wanted to quickly touch on some of the things I talked about in my research around um, using MUN and a bulk milk representation and how it can help guide on-farm decision-making. So things like, you know, changing your fertiliser regimes, your pasture rotation, your leaf stage allocation, uh, like as well as things like your your additional supplementation into the diet. Um, so really just understanding how these things change change that excess protein level and being able to manage manage accordingly. And, th and then I think key to that is that extension work around some of the options and how you can navigate. That sounds great. And I guess, again, it's around that consistency, isn't it? So that you can see correlations and trends between those practical on-farm measures that you've just talked about. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. It's uh, it's an exciting time for for all farmers, definitely. So, yeah, thanks thanks very much for coming in and sharing that with us. And um, we might have a little bit more on milk urea down the track. I think just to um, because I think it's going to be something that's going to keep popping up. Awesome, sounds great, Andrew. Thank you, thank you for having me. Cool, thanks, Sam. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Herd podcast. Thanks to the sponsors, Fonterra, IDEX, Courier Diagnostics, Taz Herd, the Tasmanian Dairy Trust, Zoetis, NHIA, Data Mars. Feel free to subscribe and review the podcast. Share it with your friends. The more, the merrier. Jump on Facebook, search the High Performance Herd Project, and you're very welcome to join the High Performance Herd private Facebook group. If you want to see a video of this podcast, jump on YouTube or www.highperformanceherd.com where you'll see a link to these sponsors for more information and more information on the High Performance Herd Project, which is a real-life dairy farm, spring block farming right here in Tassie. Thanks very much, and we'll see you next week.